Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here, where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions. Only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. Yo, what's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, the Professor, a.k.a. Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. It's Thursday night. You you think it's Tuesday night because we're here, but it's been Christmas and then New Year's. Next year, we won't got to worry about that because Christmas and New Year's probably going to be on Wednesday or something like or Thursday, so we'll be all right. But we're here on a Thursday night in 2020 celebrating a new year, a new era, and we're chopping up the latest Panthers news and opinions, and it's all about the fan perspective, folks. You're going to take something you've learned. Oh, this stupid autoplay. Every time something goes stupid in the beginning of this show, but you know who's not stupid? What's not stupid is my boy Cody Lashney. He's a big Panther fan, and he's here to chop it up with me. How you doing, Cody? And you know what, Tony Dunn? We're going to be all right, like my man Kendrick Lamar says. And you know what else is new? In this brand new year of 2020, we still have the most lit Panther fandom in the YouTube chat. All the greats are here tonight. Underground West, Tim Tizzy, Richards Outdoor World, Brad Dugan, Alex Stark, Ruben Terry, Tony Dunn. We have so much to talk about, man. And nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. CK's in the house. How you doing, Cody? You know, living the dream, man. Uh, new decade, new year. New house. New house. It's the year of 2020. New microphone. Shit. New, new hat. Yeah, new setup. Yeah, sure, man. Sure. <laughs> Got it all. Got it all. But, uh, you know, it's that uh, the year of clarity with 2020. I think that should be the uh, focus of this year moving forward. Just clarity where we want to go with the future. So uh, looking forward to kind of getting the first podcast of the year off the ground and running, bro. Yeah, man. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Subscribe to the C3 Panthers podcast. There's 30 people watching. I want to see some thumbs up in the air like lighters, like you just don't care. Come on, folks. Uh, Tonight's show, beignets, McCarthyism, and searching for a leader in Carolina. Cody asked me why I said beignets, and it's because beignets and Biennemi remind me of each other. We're talking about tonight the Carolina Panthers coaching search as they unfolded uh, interviews. We have briefly highlighted a little bit of the McCarthy interview last week, dual interviews. We talked a moment about it. We're going to deep dive into that. Also talk about uh, b as well as uh, some of the other coaching names that are out there as we continue to try to see and figure out how the Carolina Panthers are going to ultimately right this ship and start a new era a new decade in the wake of ron rivera who joined the washington redskins this week so there's a actually a lot strangely enough to talk about and you know what we'll do we'll talk and talk and talk until you don't want to listen so go ahead and subscribe so you can listen later if you can't listen this evening call into the show 252-228-5098 we're on itunes tune in stitcher we're everywhere 
wave wave your thumbs in the air like you just don't care cody tonight i think we got to just really first i don't think there's anything more important than talking about our coaching situation but i do think we probably should talk about actual news rather than speculation to start ron rivera joins the washington redskins keeps the riverboat ron moniker right I, I think this is interesting i like how his daughter and him have worked on their branding since the 2014 season with the riverboat ron they've embraced it but we know ron ain't on no riverboat he ain't gambling but he may be gambling pretty hard is what is he betting on when it comes to how about this if you're in vegas and you're gonna become the coach of the redskins you don't bet on black oh that's messed up that's some racial shit right there that's sorry but that you bet on red well not good so listen man uh apparently dan snyder told ron rivera that he wants to do what seattle has done the patriots um all these places that are built around a head coach and uh the redskins want to build around ron rivera and hey listen Good luck to him. I wish the man all the luck uh, in the world, except for uh, when he plays the Panthers and uh, when he's doing football in the NFC. So strangely, um, strangely, I think it's a good situation for him. Cody is that the yeah, Redskins have they've got some good pieces on the defensive front. They're potentially going to be drafting what third or something like that. It is. They're going to get weird. Chase Young. It is still weird to uh, see Ron Rivera talking about another team that's not the Carolina Panthers and um, talking about the Washington Redskins. And I, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm happy that we moved on. It's definitely still weird, though. Hearing him, I uh, think, I think my team. initial my initial thoughts, though, Cody, are is that it might not be this year. It might be next year, but. Uh, Washington has potential in the makings of being the 2013 Panthers, a stout-ass defense with a front that just beats that ass every week and an offense that can't score over 21 but wins 12 games. CK, I saw you shaking your head. I mean, there are some defensive parts there. Ron Rivera, they've talked about him bringing in potentially Steve Wilkes into the (laughs) fold, or that's his intention. And... What is the asshole got to go and do and hire Jack Del Rio? I wish we would have had some Jack Del Rio. I know. I thought the same thing, man. <laughs> well, it is, uh, you know, <clears throat> hindsight's always twenty twenty, And, uh, you know, as we've all discovered, Ron Rivera. And Eric it, Washington uh, is always blind. Well, that, oh, but, you know, so. it, <laughs> yeah. well, what I look at is, uh, you know, beyond all that, I think that Ron Rivera, it takes a lot to want to, fire somebody right you know it takes a lot for him to fire someone and last year he only fired people because it was really his job on the line um and so now he's uh, he's looking at it from a fresh start he's able to get somebody in there you know you know that we has a good track record of running the defense that's able to actually succeed in the nfl so um it's frustrating but at the same time you know it's uh not unexpected for me, I also thought, though, the reason – I thought Jack Del Rio, he was going to bring in – I thought he would have been a great fit after, you know, demoting Eric Washington this past year and then Ron taking over. Um, or when Sean McDermott – actually, I was interested in when Sean McDermott left. 
And I, I secretly believe this was the case when it came to Ron, that he was intimidated about bringing in coaches that would have made good interim coaches. And so, like, um, I think that's why he hesitated in bringing in even a North Turner to a, to a certain degree. I know he wanted to bring him in. But if you bring in a guy who has had coaching experience and is capable underneath you, you know, it's hard to fire Ron Rivera when Perry Fuel's the coach or Chase Blackburn is in a room or some shit like that. You got Jack Del Rio there who has had immense – he's had a very – I think he's a great coach. His defenses have always played well. He's been – he was with the Panthers back in like the early 2000s, I want to believe. I think he was under John Fox or something, and then he goes and coaches Jacksonville. They were good, and he was a good coach. He was a decent coach in Jacksonville. And that Oakland team under Jack Del Rio was the best Oakland team we've seen in a while. So yeah. I'm excited about or excited about the opportunities for the Redskins right now. And you're bringing in some guys that if uh, Schneider can keep his hands off a little bit and, and doesn't do what people at least have said and claimed he has done to derail the team, is that the Washington Redskins might be – an up-and-comer in the NFC. I saw someone on Twitter say Ron Rivera is going to try and ruin another great black quarterback. <laughs> and I thought that was... Uh, uh, I think uh, he appreciates kinda, kinda, him, man. I think uh, Ron yeah. Rivera appreciates Ron, Cam Newton. I think he's been oh, agitated that he's been hurt. Yeah. You know, but I think he understands that he had something special. And just kind of like Greg Olson, that's what I love about Greg Olson is that he just recognizes there was something special there. And no matter what your predispositions are, whatever it is, is that that was some greatness right there on the field when the magical, kind of like when you're watching those boys flick that ball on the college football team. I look at them, Cody, I was watching that Clemson. Ohio State game, and them boys just be flicking the ball like 70 yards, like nothing. Yeah, man. I mean, that you're looking at um, two future NFL quarterbacks on, on both of those football teams, um, number one pit type material. And, um, yeah, and by the way, I was a fan of Dwayne Haskins. That was actually the first um, scouting report I ever wrote for draft uh, draft.com was on Dwayne. Um, I think he has a ton of potential, and I don't know, man. Let's see what Ron Rivera does with it. But, dude, I'm done talking about Washington. I think that uh, we need to go on and talk about some of these dudes. No, um, one other thing to talk about. Guess who is also potentially being courted to Washington? Oh, yes. Thank God. Brian Vermillion. Dude, take him off our hands, man. You and I have been on this for a while. Uh, I I believe the the fact that he is – constantly having players undergo surgery far too late. Uh, he's been a problem for a long time. He's mismanaged a ton of players. Dude, good riddance. Don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. I think Brad, this is a clear indication, though, that uh, Tepper intends to move on, on from everyone. Like yeah. It is a full-on organizational flip. Uh, you know, flip, flip everything on its head. You know, I think... Amen. Just, Thank I you. I don't... I don't think Vermillion uh, would be interviewing elsewhere if he actually believed that he was safe there in Charlotte. And he I obviously imagine... doesn't have a job as of today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, exactly. But I think Tepper, um, 
I think he's the type of guy who's going to let these guys know ahead of time. It may not leak to the media yet, but I think he's already made it aware, made these guys aware that it's likely they're not going to have a job. So they need to start looking and interviewing so that they have some time and they have the ability to have a competitive edge over some of the other people that much like as well. Yeah, much like he did for Ron and Scott and these guys at yep. the back end. Uh, I think you're exactly right. Uh, Brad Dugan, I think he's, I saw it somewhere earlier. Brad Dugan said, Ron going to sign Colin Jones to a five-year contract and sign mm-hmm. Cap to be their starting running back for the Skins. No. Ron did not. Uh, yeah, yes to the Colin Jones. No to the Cameron Artist Payne. Cameron Artist Payne is not beloved by Ron Rivera. He never got a hat. Give Cap a cap is always what we said. Give that man a helmet. He didn't ever get it, but he did hang around. I think this is that I truly believe what's going to happen is Ron Rivera is going to go there. They're going to have that crazy-ass defense. They're going to get like 70 sacks. They're going to run the ball like crazy, and he'll probably start Adrian Peterson over Geis. He's a veteran. That's what I think. Missed opportunities. Oh, and by the way, um, Vermillion, Ryan Vermillion going to the skins can't be um, a tip of the cap to old Trent Williams. You ever been screwed by a medical staff? Well, meet Ryan Vermillion. Yeah. Yeah, boy, really, right? yeah you're, not, you're not doing much, much, uh, doing much better. All right. So let's yeah. see what else we got to talk about tonight. We've got, um, before we get into it, don't forget, if you're going to go and try to catch a game, uh, the, the Carolina Hurricanes are playing the number one seeded Washington Capitals tomorrow night in Raleigh. You can go to vividseats.com or download the Vivid Seats app. You can sort by seat, by price, and you can get a ticket you want for a price you like. Get the Vivid Seats app, promo code OVERTIME, and you can get up to a $100 discount on your first-time purchase. The, all the tickets are 100% buyer guaranteed. But you can, you know when you go to Vivid Seats that you're going to get a, price, a ticket for a price you like and it's going to be secure it's going to be easy it's going to be fast they always send you notifications for upcoming discounts vivid seats app be sure to use the promo code overtime that's right the promo code overtime guys really the the whole point of tonight's show and and until otherwise i think is going to have to be continued focus on this coaching search and what we are talking about and tonight's show, Beignets, McCarthyism, and a search and searching for a leader in Carolina is that um, is that coaching search. And right now we know this is that the Panthers have um, interviewed Mike McCarthy twice. They have also uh, requested interviews with Josh McDaniels as well as I believe are have officially announced that they are going to be interviewing Eric Bieniemy. Guys, they interviewed coach, him today. They interviewed him today. Yeah, one of two. Interviewed him. They interviewed him today, yeah. So let's talk about Eric Bieniemy and the hot topic, the hot news, and the guy of the day. Cody, I know this has been a favorite of yours for a while. I mean, I don't know yeah. if you like him more than Stefanski. Actually, do you like him more than Stefanski? So I was telling you this before the show, but in a kind of a weird scenario where, say, for Mike McCarthy, I'm really okay with a lot of the names being connected to the Carolina Panthers right now. 
Um, I'm on record uh, on this podcast, uh, even at the end of last year, saying I really liked Eric Bieniemy. Um, what he has done with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, has been incredible. Uh, their offense, um, specifically in 2018, was um, you know that was his first season as an offensive coordinator, and they were first in yards per game and points scored in the NFL. Now they also had an incredible quarterback, incredible talent um, all up and down the football team. But it shows you that, you know, Eric Bieniemy is a, a guy that knows how to get the most out of his offense. He's a running, a former running back himself. Uh, he was, in fact, drafted by Marty Herndy with the uh, with the Chargers back in 2000. Um, what year was it? Like 1992 or 1993 or something like Tell that? Tell us about this, CK. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically what had happened is, uh, you know, obviously Twitter is the uh, uh, the the provider of all uh, all knowledge of the known universe. And uh, there was a connection between uh, the enemy and uh, and Marty Herney, where Marty Herney was in Chicago and uh, at the Chargers in San Diego when they drafted the enemy in the second round, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. so there's uh, there, that would be an interesting uh, an interesting uh, connection there between those two because there's you know <clears throat> Marty Herney gave him his first shot in the NFL and uh, as a player and Bienemy's never been a uh, head coach correct no no he's, he's been, been a in, offensive well, coordinator is the highest position so there's a connection there and almost a a, a cert, you know just a, a nice circle that kind of brings it back to where Marty Herney now gives him the opportunity to be the next head coach, his first head coaching position. So first chance in the NFL and first chance in the NFL uh, as a head coach as well. RT1981 says, didn't even know Herney was in the NFL in 92. And I agree. I had always heard that Herney was a newspaper guy or a media dude who found his way into the NFL, into personnel. No, he was an assistant general manager to the Chargers in 1990. So he to, must uh, have been even before. That must have even going way back into the 80s, I'm thinking of. Now, you know this is Marty Herney has, her, has hired Ron Rivera. Gave Ron Rivera his first chance as a head coach, mm -hmm. who also yeah. had a San Diego connection. Now we might know a little bit more about why that San Diego connection existed, even though that sounds like it's decades before where Ron Rivera was. But Biennemi has been an offensive coordinator, I believe, at Colorado or Colorado State. I'm not 100%. Uh, it, it was, uh, in 2010, he returned to Colorado where he played football, and he was the offensive coordinator under their head coach, John Umbry. And he wasn't there very long. Um, I mean, people have known about him for a long time. Um, this is a guy, um, you know, so he was with the Minnesota Vikings at one point in time. He was the leading rusher in the NFL that year with 1,341 yards. Wow. So he's a good player, too. Yeah, a good player. So, listen, I mean, now that we're moving in, into an era where the offense is so centered around Christian McCaffrey, it's really hard to imagine a, a, a better coach to get Christian McCaffrey 
uh, involved in more inventive kinds of ways that even the Panthers haven't been using him. And yet Christian still became a 1,000-1,000 player this year. So And uh, he's coached, guys. I mean, look, is that he has only recently taken over the offense. I think the enemy is hired by the Chiefs in 2013 was not promoted till last year to the offensive coordinator, but only two years as offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. But, guys, that offense has not been lacking in Kansas City. Rookie quarterback, or basically a rookie quarterback last year, and Patrick Mahomes slayed it. Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins. Now, here is the one concern I have when it comes to this uh, this resume is boy, you're talking about having some tools, and you're also not in the toughest division at the time. So the Chiefs have been, you know, picking at, in my opinion, a little bit of low hanging fruit in that division as the Chargers have stunk, as the Broncos have tr- struggled to fight a quarterback, as the Raiders have stunk. And they've also, I mean, they have had lightning in the bottle, but you're talking about having a lot of parts there and a lot of explosive parts that we wish we would have had at the time. Now, we think we do have some of those. But, guys, as enemy, are there any concerns that he's a product of the situation? Not a product of the situation, but has benefited from a very conducive situation as an offensive coordinator? You want to go first? Okay, I have my thoughts. You take it. Yeah, you take it, man. Yeah, so, I mean, I try and judge Eric Bienemy on what I know he was in control over, and that was the running back position. He was the running back coach uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you look at Jamal Charles and Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt was a fourth-round draft pick and then came in, and he was looking to be the offensive player of the year that year. It's the same draft as Alvin Kamara and, and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, and you, you look at what running backs in Kansas City system – have been able to do for such a long time, um, and that his resume kind of speaks for itself. Um, you know, Andy Reid's coaching tree is kind of uh, kind of legendary at this point. A lot of real names have come from that tree, and Andy Reid speaks higher of Eric Bieniemy than he's ever really spoken about any of them. I mean, you're talking about you know Reid is a guru of NFL offenses and he talks about this guy like he's the next version of himself and Eric is from New Orleans so imagine how awesome it would be to have a coach from New Orleans to beat the hell out of New Orleans every year this is a little uh, crazy when you look at the when you look at the Andy Reid coaching tree of the 10 coaches seven have led teams to the playoffs Matt Nagy and but you also have John Harbaugh from Baltimore has been under is considered under the Andy Reid coaching tree. Doug Peterson, Ron Rivera, and ex uh, Minnesota Viking Brad Childress, all coaches. Uh, Pat Shermer, Todd Bowles. I'm a Todd Bowles fan. I know you guys think that's crazy, and I'm probably going to get calls about it. But I think he is a good defensive mind right there. Is you're talking, you know, and these guys are under, and Andy Reid is under the Mike Holmgren tree, right? And Mike Holmgren yeah. goes back to John Gruden, Steve Mariucci, Andy Reid. So there is, 
you know, one of the things that's interesting about this, Cody, is that sometimes you look at these coaching trees and you think that they're going to look that they're going to learn so much and be successful. But we've also seen some very good coaches that their assistants have not done a lot. I think of Pete Carroll. I think of um, Bill Belichick in some ways. Yeah. And and listen, it's kind of a crapshoot. I mean, you're taking a gamble. No one has a crystal ball to look into the future. Um, but one of the things when I, you know, in, in the, yeah, in the in the draft community, uh, the uh, there's this, you know, people tend to make player comparisons. So if we're looking to draft this player, you can reasonably expect that he will look like, you know, example A or whatever. Um, but part of the reason I don't like to do that so much is because I don't ever want to judge another man based off of what another man before him couldn't do. So I don't know. I'm not really looking at oh, what coordinators did or didn't work out. I mean, you have to do your due diligence and think, is this head coach going to be able to utilize the talent that we have on our roster? And in a, in a modern NFL where teams are throwing the ball more, we know that he knows how to do that, and he's a running back coach, and his running backs always produce. So we're never going to have an offense that isn't. Well, we don't need a running back coach. We got one. One or the other. No, I'm just kidding. You're right. Is that mm-hmm. this? Is that putting him with Christian McCaffrey might make uh, even more something more magical, which is crazy <laughs> yeah. to think of. I was listening to some Eric Bieniemy before the show. Just some of press conferences from last year. And one of the things I really liked about him is he talked more about the defenses for other teams than he talked about his own team. But he also did conclude his discussion of those defenses with like, hey, we have to do what we do well as as well. Like not just only think about them, but stick true to who we are. So there was an honesty there, but what I liked about it is is he was calling out every single player by name or number, and he apologized when he couldn't remember their names, and we're talking going deep down the line. You know, so uh, you mentioned before the show, Cody, is you think he is a studier of the game. And so he's 50 years old. What I do like about that is that's kind of a sweet spot age, I feel like is that you still are young enough, but you are he's been around long enough. I'm warming to the idea of Eric Bieniemy. I'd be really happy if we landed him. Um, you know, it, I mean, look back to that 49ers route earlier in the season. It, you know, uh, I, I said at the time, people might think I'm crazy now, but on paper, when you look at our roster and their roster, that there wasn't a lot of difference. We had an incredibly talented football team. The difference was Kyle Shanahan knew how to game plan Ron Rivera's defense. And Eric Bieniemy is the type of guy that's going to be able to do that same thing to opposing defenses. He knows what's coming. He wants to give our offense favorable matchups and be able to move the ball both running and throwing the football using a lot of new modern concepts. I mean, we honestly haven't even used Christian McCaffrey to his full potential as crazy. No, as we've that kind now. of just used him as a normal player. A hundred percent. And and look at what he was able to do just being a normal player. So I mean, um 
this is the man that I wanted um, uh, at the end of last year. Yeah, I, I was I was high on him, so I'm I'm hoping that it went well today. I would I would love to have Eric as our as our new head coach. You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast, brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. We want you to be part of the show by calling into the Cat Calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. And Brad Dugan's got something to say in the chat room. And boy, this is some this is some type of news right here. It's like Cody Lashney's friend who was delivering a package to damn Bank of America and they wouldn't let him in and he worked for Amazon. He's like, What's up? or something like that. Or he worked for UPS and the and they was like, What are those Amazon boxes? And they like, You can't see it. And it turns out it was all or nothing. We had that tip. Brad Dugan here with that type of tip right here. He said this number one recruit for twenty twenty one leaving Oklahoma because he said he would only leave if Lincoln Riley left. Something's up with Lincoln Riley. He says Riley to the Cowboys question mark. I want to say Riley to the Panthers question mark, Cody. You know, I, I've almost even pushed it out of my mind because I didn't. I'm the same way. <laughs> like, you know, it, it was something that I mentioned doing um, a long time ago now. You and I, have, I mean, I know you're a fan of him. He has the ECU connections. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of, dude, if I was him, he did everything that he could possibly do with Oklahoma. Like, you're not going to be able to make that team any better than what it is and be able to compete with these SEC powerhouses and Clemson and these other football teams that are just built stronger and, and tougher. Um, you know, that's not how you win football in, in the Big 12. So Well, you might him, be able to in like eight years from now after you've established yeah, that type man, of – the fact listen, that he's done it with what he has, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact that he's been able to uh, take quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, these guys are not the definition of a traditional quarterback, and yet he turned them all into damn near – well, uh, save for one, turned them all into – Heisman winners and and Jared was a, a Heisman up. contender though the whole time. He was, yeah, and he was a Heisman finalist. He put up great numbers. Um, I, I would love um, you know the, the the type of concepts that that Riley would implement on a football team. I would love to have it. I hope that he has the wherewithal and the mindset to hire a defensive personnel that'll be able to make up um, that side of the football. Um, because I don't think that he's particularly great at fielding a, a competent defense, and you have to be able to coach both of them. So I'm. I know, think it's I'm, a tough criticism. You know, what I'm saying he plays a tough criticism in a short time. But I understand is that you have not yeah. seen him coach a defensive team yet. No, and you know, I wouldn't even say time. competent. I would just say is that it's just tough. College football is so wet, wonky. I think it's so different. You know, it's it's really yeah. hard to and and outside the SEC, it's really hard to have a defense that just dominates. Yeah, it's all about how you recruit and you know the the rich get richer in college football. If you're one of the premier powers in football, all the best players that wanna they wanna go there, they wanna be on television, they wanna be a name, they wanna be drafted high. <laughs> 
So, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it's a more even playing field when you're the coach for an NFL team. And if you're him, why wouldn't you take an NFL job right now? Everyone's, you know, talking about you to the Cowboys or, you know, I mean, even if it was the, the Panthers, I mean, these opportunities don't just come around to be an NFL coach. So I don't know why you wouldn't jump on that right now. I mean, you've done incredible things at Oklahoma, but the, uh, what, what the SEC does to them every year in the playoff doesn't give me a lot of hope that that's going to change. So I don't know why he wouldn't make the jump now. Do you, Joey, uh, ask, do you think go ahead. That, okay. I was going to say, do you think that, that the – promise of the Cowboys offense and, you know, really having all the pieces that they need, uh, you know, a la the offensive line is one of the better ones in the NFL. You have a really young, I mean, obviously you're paying your offensive powerhouses this year, one way or another. Um, but you have all the pieces that you look for for a successful offense. And then you have some, some actual pieces to build around on the defense. Does that, outweigh the fact that you're going to have to answer to Jerry Jones at Dallas and does that make Dallas less appealing uh, because of that or is it really not that big of a deal because you believe that you're going to be the the one coach that he doesn't micromanage yeah I mean listen me personally I would not want Jerry Jones breathing down my neck all the time making every single decision but listen I mean you're not going if you're a team that fired a head coach more than likely, it means that you don't have, you know, uh, a lot of certainty in the in the program. So we have a brand new owner, the, uh, the for the Carolina Panthers and David Tepper. Jimmy Haslam of the Browns uh, has continued to fill the dumpster fire for the better part of two decades and the endless carousel of general managers and coaches. Um, and now you have the Cowboys and who is by far the most flamboyant owner that there is in the NFL. Everything has to be his way or the highway. Um, you know, I don't know. And maybe those are reasons why he doesn't want to come to the NFL. But, I mean, the man is from Texas. Um, at jobs like the Dallas Cowboys don't come around very often. If I'm a betting man, I'd, I'm saying that's probably – where he's headed. Where he ends up, yeah. I have not heard that name connected to us at all. No, I think, no, yeah, I we have. You're right. We haven't heard that. We haven't heard any of that. But we also haven't heard any of his name connected to the NFL at all just yet. Yeah. You know, a lot of speculation I'll there. But media I, yeah. I do want to say that when it comes to Jerry Jones, I would have said that five years ago confidently that he would have been a reason I didn't want uh, to be a coach of the the Dallas Cowboys, but you know, there's an argument that he's a, he is sort of a changed owner. At least his son is taking over more and more when it comes to the draft and how. I mean, I think going back to when they did not draft what's his name, the quarterback from Johnny Manziel. You know, is that that was a moment where at least the son, I think, overrode. I think the fact that he's also, Tim Tizzy said this, is Jason Garrett must have some dirt on the homeboy because he's going to be like a personal assistant, uh, assistant to the GM or something. But he doesn't really want to fire Garrett. And I maybe that tells us that Jerry Jones is getting old. 
a little bit and his his person you know and you're starting to wonder at least even if you look to ron rivera are they starting to say that some of this is media hype about how the organization is derailed by the owner well i mean listen it it whatever show you watch on espn or fox sports they always talk about the cowboys like even when there's other shit to talk about they they have to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. So it's like what what's insane to me is that you know Jerry Jones has known this was coming. He knew that there was going to be a very good chance they're not going to win the division. This is all the news had to talk about for the past what three or four weeks now was whether or not Jason Garrett is isn't going to be fired, and like that the man still hasn't made a decision yet. Like I, I don't know CK. I know you had a theory that. Um, maybe they're just trying to move him around in the organization and kind of move him somewhere else. Well, how many? They've had multiple meetings with him, right? You know, so yeah. they don't have to announce anything. They really don't. They, his contract's up. He's not the coach right now. The the, the day that the at least they have no coach he, right yeah. now. Yeah, they have no coach right now. Now they've continued to meet with him, which leads me to believe a few things. You know, number one, either he is going to be the answer for them at least for one more year, or they're trying to put him, keep him within the organization, but maybe try to convince him to take a step away from the head coaching position that he's in now. You know, why else do you sit there and continue to have meetings with the guy when he's technically not even employed by you anymore? Those are clearly negotiations of some sort. So it's got to be one of the, I mean, and, and if you're, Jason Garrett, are you going to go be an offensive coordinator at another? I mean, because you're not getting a head coaching job right now. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to leave the Dallas Cowboys with the talent that they had and not be able to succeed. I don't uh, think you should get an offensive coordinator job given that. Like, I think he, you know, I think he'd still probably have a, a better shot at an offensive coordinator job um, than he would a head coaching job, certainly. But uh, right. Right, that makes I, mean, sense. I don't think I don't think he goes far back as a quarterbacks coach. I think that he sticks. You know, I think he's he's shown that he has the ability to you know call plays. But when he is in control of an entire team, he's just not been able to put the pieces together. But he has all the pieces that he needs to be able to succeed. So that's why he, I don't think he'll be able to be a head coach in the NFL. Which and tells in me a that. dumpster fire of the NFC East of a division, this year. yeah, yeah. Of a division. How the yeah. hell, yeah. if there this is a way sure. that you could back into the playoffs, it's this year. Yeah, and that's uh, I mean, he's he's. This had is why I like Doug Peterson, that. man. As I don't sleep on the Eagles. I know they don't got the no. horses to really go, but go he is deep. a master motivator. He that dude is legit. He's a legit-ass coach. I don't know what it is about him. I know he does shit weird on fourth down. Like, he, like he's like a, he's like the four-down theory type dude. But I believe in Doug Peterson, and I think that if the Eagles were to fire him, which I know they're not now since they won in the last little bit, but there yeah. was that radical contingent, I would have been happy to pick him up. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a... A great hire for us, and a lot of people are kind of saying what you are right now. Uh, don't sleep on Philadelphia. They have a home game. Seattle has to travel to them. Uh, they're playing their best football now when it matters the most. You know, they kind of remind me of that uh, that uh, 2014 Carolina Panthers team that went seven, eight, and one 
And at the end of the year, Cam Newton just kind of put the team on his back and is like, well, if the Saints and the Falcons and the Bucks, if they're not going to try and win the division, well, damn it, I guess we're going to do it. And just turned it on and, and we did our thing. Um, and I but this time they have a competent coach. Yeah, you yeah. They have, a, they have a know. competent coach. They have their quarterback. Um, all their receivers are injured, but yeah, man, uh, I think that all the names that are linked to the Panthers right now, uh, at least one of those dudes has to be our own version of, of, of Peterson, one of these new guys that, that thinks about football in the innovative way, and we so desperately need that right now. You know, Peter, uh, that go ahead, CK. Go ahead. Uh, well, uh, what I was going to say, you know, obviously the Athletic has a really good uh, article that kind of breaks down each one of them. Um, and, and one of the things that they do note uh, with uh, Eric uh, Bienemy is that he has uh, not only does he, uh, he he obviously have the ability to to motivate these guys and, and earn the respect of the players, being that he was a player, but apparently he's really adopted the the uh, this you know I guess the the statistics part of things and 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 trying to go into the new generation of how uh, things are being done. But he also has a knack for designing protections that keep Pat Mahomes safe. And that part is what I'm most interested in right now. You know, if you can if you can have a good quarterback, if you can protect him, keep him off of the ground, keep him healthy, that quarterback is going to be able to pick apart defenses. And if uh, if the enemy has the ability to create a game plan that keeps Cam Newton, regardless of the protection that he has, meaning the quality of the, the linemen, or anything like that, then that's what I'm most interested in because that allows me to believe that there is uh, there is a continued future for Cam Newton to continue to be a uh, an elite quarterback in the league. You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. We want you to be part of the show by calling in the numbers 252-228-5098. You can leave a voice message anytime, all day. We'll get you in on the show. Let's go and jump into the cat calls before we talk about this Mike McCarthy noise. No. Numbers 252-228-5098. I'm into it. These guys aren't. It's great, crazy. So what are your thoughts we'll on cat call? About Yeah, it's pretty sh- You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels good. Like I didn't mix it tonight, so it's just going to go straight. Yo, what's up, guys? Nick, look here and So, oh, just Nick, he's probably going to talk shit about uh... Tony. I have to say, man, you know, you started off the podcast right. You talked about building the defense around Brian Burns. Not going to lie, man, made my day right there. You know, because that dude, he's a freaking monster. He is. You know, and the fact That's that the he's truth. a rookie, he's putting out the numbers that he's putting out. He should get better with time. Granted, you know, should. And so we'll see what happens. But when you start talking about a nice young player like that who's making plays, who's making things happen, even with the injury that he had to deal with and the limited number of snaps, that says something, man. You know, I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely feel like we should start looking at building the defense around him and playing to his strengths because that dude, he's a freaking see? monster. He's picking up what I'm putting down, fellas. Everyone on the defense played on his level. This season would have been an entirely different season. 
So that's the first point yeah. I wanted to make. The second point, okay, and I've been thinking about this for a few weeks, okay, Cam Newton comes back next year. We're all thinking the mm-hmm. same thing. He really should He really should come back. There are some arguments. There are some arguments that point in the other direction. But, but they're false. We all agree that he really should He's come coming back. back. Now, shouldn't our backup play the same style of game that Cam plays? Shouldn't our backup quarterback be a very mobile quarterback? I mean, I get it. Cam is like a once-in-a-lifetime sort of quarterback. But why would we have a different backup, somebody who plays a completely different style of ball, whenever we have an offense that should be, quote-unquote, should be, built around our quarterback? I.E. Baltimore. So, I mean, built a team around a player. To make that happen, that means that you're either going to be drafting a quarterback and you're going to be drafting relatively high in order to get the quarterback that you want, and that's not going to look good for us. It's not going to give us the answers that we're, we've been looking for all this time. But that's just something something to think about. Um, the other thought on Cam is you guys have said multiple times that whenever Cam has been calling audibles, that we've been by far more successful. Sorry about that. Timer. Um, Cam has been, we, we have been by far more successful when Cam has been calling audibles. Now, shouldn't we play to that strength and maybe let Cam do the same thing as, I forget who it is, that is a very, it plays the same style of football, you know? Uh, or not same style of football, but like Hurry up. audibles and All right. run the offense. Well, Oh, stop it. It's going to go to next call. All right, got it. All right. What a what? Nick. Holy cow. Best call ever. Did not spend the time either talk, throwing shade at Tony. Look, he said this. Did you hear the beginning of his call? He said, I thought I was going to have to throw shade at you. But then you said, build the defense around Brian Burns, which is the truth, man. I'm telling you. Is that Cody? I'm just trusting Cody on this, and I'm trusting the other thing is that my man's on in on every fucking play I've ever seen him play on. Like he's, yeah. I have I have a rule when it comes to defensive players. If they're in the screen every time I'm watching television, it's a good thing. Like yes. you know what I'm saying? Like if you ain't in the picture, if you somewhere off there or there or that. Brian Burns, Luke Keekley, I used to always say this about Luke Keekley. He's always in the fucking picture. He might yeah. not be the guy making the play, but he's always around the play. He's always in the he's play. A he's a camera whore. He always has to be yeah. in the picture. Yes, yes. And Brian Burns <laughs> is that. I do firmly believe that would be a travesty for the Carolina Panthers to not build around somebody that they've invested a lot in. And that has showed a ton of promise. We're not talking about Coney Ely flashing the pan. We're talking about all season long he has been a producer. But go ahead and comment on that when we're talking about this. I know, Cody, you liked what he was spitting when it comes to a quarterback of the similar style. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, one of the players that I liked uh, last year who came out in the draft simply because he was similar to Cam Newton like Nick was talking about was Tyree Jackson, the quarterback from Buffalo. Uh, the dude's like six foot seven, 
has an absolute cannon for an arm. There was a clip of Steve Smith at the combine going up to him and, and, and berating him and telling him not to throw the ball so hard at the receivers because it's going to hurt their hands. Um, you know, that would have been the, the, the perfect kind of quarterback. And he was mobile. And he would have been available later in the draft. Uh, I think he went undrafted even. So, um, you know, I mean, this is a – I mean, I think this is kind of the hesitation around Marty Herney. Um, he had Kyler Murray ranked below Will Greer. And that's just absolutely – You don't think he really – you don't that, believe that. that. Every, Nobody every really report, believes that. It, it put out a report that the Panthers – did not, value, did not value Kyle. Why? Why, why because did he was going to be number one. So there's no reason to even think about it. But that's not even how they do it. They, that would be like, is this, them, is that, do I think my wife is the hottest woman in the world? Hell yeah. But do I like Katie Holmes? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a really hard time understanding the connection there, Tony. <laughs> you don't get it. You wouldn't draft. You wouldn't draft a fucking. You wouldn't draft a like. I'm trying to think of someone who would be like I mean, a t- top woman. Like you know what I'm saying. Like here is this. Is there was this old King of Queens episode? It was funny, and they were laying in bed one night, and they said this, and the woman was like, "All right, if we could have one pass." You know what I'm saying? Like, if this has happened, that we would let it be okay. And she was like, is it... It was like Richard Gere or Kevin... You know, it was like these two people. She was going back and forth, and she couldn't decide. She couldn't decide. She couldn't decide. And the husband was like, all right, which one is it? Is it that one? Is that one? Come on, come on. Which one is your thing? And she said, all right, it's this guy. And she goes, who is yours? And he said, the girl that does your nails. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying and it was yeah, like simple minded oh yeah. that shit is legitimately be, like tr- possible so the fact is is this is that what I'm saying is this is Kyler Murray was not a legitimate option for the Carolina Panthers so to say he had or didn't have him a ranked that, that's just silly talk even, even so like, listen so John Elway is another one of these assholes that if if your quarterback is not over six foot one, dude, he wants no part of you. This dude looked over Russell Wilson, looked over, um, you know, who uh, looked Kyle over Murray. Russell Wilson? Uh, John Elway. Oh, it was the oh John Elway. I thought you were talking about Marty Herney. No, uh, I mean, listen, um, you yeah, know, John Elway's on record for saying he thought he was too short. Yeah, and it's so, but that is kind of what I'm talking about, though. Marty has this kind of idea of what a quarterback is supposed to be. He picked picked Cam Newton, so. Yeah, yeah, I I don't give you a ton of credit for drafting easily the best player in that draft. I mean, yeah, Marty. No, dude, it was not. You were so you were so young. You were you were like a teenager when that shit happened, dude. I was twenty-one. You were barely. You were not twenty-one with Cam. (laughs) I was twenty-one in two thousand eleven. You want me to do the math? (laughs) No, but I'm gonna tell you this: is that, dude? It was not a guarantee. 
You know what I'm saying? It was not. <laughs> Today we continue to say that Cam Newton was a consensus best player. But we talked about it from Nick Fairley yeah, to Von Miller. My, Von Miller. Wasn't, but dude, we all, everyone knew. I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not, not giving the man credit, but that's he dared like, to be great, dude. He dared to be great, right? But I, I, I don't know, man. I'm not, I mean, after drafting Will Greer and seeing how terrible he looked, oh, I, that's I, not even fair, dude. I 100% believe. That he had Will Greer went ranked way so, higher than Murphy. So I'm, terrible. I'm, I'm, I'm as positive. Do as you believe I, that, CK? I mean, I. It's it's hard to. So here's the thing: is you know, I or is your wife so, hotter you than uh, like? Uh, <laughs> well, your wife is probably. I would say this is that all of the people on the Panther C three Panthers podcast. No, no, I want up. you to finish that statement. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say hotter than your wife is hotter than. I was trying to think. I can't ever think of names real fast. Charlize Theron, but uh, I think she's hot. <laughs> Fair enough. So what? My, my point that I was gonna make was to say that he wasn't like. Let's say that report was reality, you know. And and your your point is that why would they have him? Why would they even? put much effort into grading him there's no chance that he's going to be a uh, panther right well the problem is there could have been well, why a would lot you of say it that happened between why them. would you say it after the fact even though you know what i'm saying like if i married well, my wife and she was the second well, choice i wouldn't be like oh well it turns out you really were second choice you just felt like the other person got sniped they, before you was, was the statement that he was the highest rated quarterback on their list or was it he was the highest rated quarterback that they realistically had the shot of getting because that's two different things no not not the highest rated on their list but so even if uh if a he team just said he was first enough, round material no, that's no, all he said no 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 no, no. i they, that they had will greer not that he was their first pick but that they had will greer this is such a lie this is because, such lies. So even this if is you're not lies. In the range, even if you're not in the range to draft a person, like teams still do their their due diligence on on evaluations and scouting. Do you believe this chat room? Uh, chat room. Do you believe this bullshit? There's no way. <laughs> uh, hey man, I, 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 yeah, I'll be interested to see what the what the chat room thinks. Do they think that Marty Herney had Will Greer ranked ahead of Kyler Murray in last year's draft? I right. I 100% think so. No way. No way. All right, we're going to the next call. The number is 252-228-5098. We also got, I think, maybe some special guests coming later in. Uh, I cleared out the room since Greg's not here. Made sure Greg was not here for this. But I'm bringing on formerly known as the First and Ten Podcast Dudes. Also known as Titletown Brawl now. And uh, to maybe hopefully talk about Mike McCarthy around 10 o'clock. The number is 252-228-5098. Don't worry. I got, I cleared the, they're safe. Greg's not here. But uh, I kind of want Greg just to pop in, to be honest. Yeah, I know. Let me talk might, to Greg real quick. He's going to call. I know he called in tonight since he couldn't be here. He wanted to be here tonight. Number is 252 5098. We got a couple of older calls sprinkled in too. So, guys, cover this call for me. 
As I go, lighten the load. Green, man. Uh, obviously, I love the show. Keep doing y'all thing. Appreciate y'all. Uh, so we're looking back at the last decade, man. Um, I think for one, I think we had some pretty good success, right? Like, I think the, I, arguably, I think the most impressive thing we've done in that last decade was one, we had our first MVP represented by the Panthers. That's pretty cool. And two, oh, the what? hardest thing, the most the hardest feat we accomplished was we won a division three times in a row, which was never done. Yeah, we made it to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I think it's harder to win a division three times in a row than it is to make it to the Super Bowl in one season, but that's just me. Anyway, I'm going to make a quick analogy. Um, I'm looking back at the last decade, and I think the Panthers are kind of like in the NFL. I think the Panthers are like teenagers, right? Like, you're looking out into the world that is the NFL and trying yeah. to figure out how to play. We never had back-to-back winning seasons. We're still trying to figure out like what it means to be a true like NFL juggernaut year in and year out. And I think we just had a lot of growing up to do. And that was exposed this year by Dave Tepper. Look at all the things that he's doing that teams have already done. So if we look at the adults in the league, right? Quote unquote, the adults in the league. That's going to be the Patriots. That's going to be Green Bay. They've had a lot of success recently, but even the Raiders and like the kind of stuff that they do with their with their stuff, Dave Tepper is literally installing infrastructure, kind of growing us up, like maturing us from being a, a teenager to an adult with like, you know, physically the, the practice facility, which isn't even a practice facility, it's just a big ass bubble in the middle of the field. <laughs> yeah. This goes back to the teenager analogy and growing up. If it rained hard outside, we had to practice in the convention center. An NFL team, when it rained outside, we had to go to a convention and practice on the carpet. That's just not that's not good. So Dave Tepper's installing and it was acceptable to Jerry Richardson. Um, you know, with practicing and everything. Look at the HQ thing he's doing down in South Carolina, with which is going to be the real practice facility and where you know camp is held and offices and all that stuff. Look at the progressive amount of people he's looking out to to try to put into our office, like with, you know, putting analytics at the forefront and everything like that. I think I think we're, we're I think last decade it was more about growing up, being a teenager growing up. I think this decade, the next decade, twenty twenty to twenty twenty nine, is gonna be straight up adulthood. This is when we come into our own and this is when we we figure out, like, damn, like, we're juggernauts now. Sorry for the long message, man. I love y'all. Happy holidays. Peace and love to y'all, man. One. Love it, man. Thank you so much for the call. Tony, start it over real quick. Let me hear his name again. Coltrane. Coltrane, my man. Uh, yeah, man. No, he had a, a great point, Tony. I know you kind of missed most of it. It was like, if you look at NFL teams, it's people. You know, the adults are the teams that you know, the Packers, the Patriots, the Raiders, all these teams that have, you know, that have been through it. They have a long storied history in the NFL. But if you look at it, the Carolina Panthers relatively, yeah, we're like a, a teenager football team. I mean, when it rained, we were practicing in uh, uh, in event arenas in the, or event stadiums in the hotel, like the ballrooms or whatever. Drinking so, beer in the back room. Yeah, and it's we have had talent though. The good news about that that is two Super Bowl appearances in a short span. You know, I always like to tell the Falcons fans like, "Suck my d." When it comes to you talking shit about us and owning us, 
Your ass ain't won no Super Bowl. You've been in the league for like 50 years. 60 years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, by the way, before we go any further, uh, RT1981 makes a great point. Marty Herney also drafted Jimmy Clausen in the second, second round. round and it, everybody it. said he was that. Now, to be fair, that's like. Yeah, but he's also, not everybody. It's his job to know better. Clawson was bad. Clawson was bad. I can't. I mean, I can't. Man, how you can't defend that? I mean, you can't defend that. That was a. I mean, that was a. Uh, that was a sigh of defeat you just had there. Uh, just, yeah. just, you know. Uh, I mean, I do. I mean, I want to say that. I mean, it comes back to this: is that how about this? Is that if he had Will Greer like graded as number one on his board, Clawson had. Clawson was rated number one on everybody's board that year. Not everybody's. But you know what? He fell for a reason. He fell for a reason. And, you know, the Panthers, I think we they were in desperate. They were in desperation. Mode. They needed to. Like, it was almost silly not to pick him. But he was fucking terrible. He was the worst. He might as well be picked by John Elway. <laughs> It was fucking terrible. You know and what you know, was the problem with Jimmy Clausen is he didn't have he had a little dick. That's my theory. He had a little dick, and what? the reason I mean I don't know that, but what I'm saying is he didn't have a big one. <laughs> and my point being is he was scared. He was scared to throw the ball downfield, so he always checked off. He always threw underneath. He had a little. He needed somebody. You need to give him a blue pill. I didn't know a you Carolina were, blue pill. I didn't know you were such a size queen, Tony Don. What the hell, man? Well, I tell you one thing is that it might not matter, but it at, at the at every stage, but it does matter at some point. If you say so, champ. <laughs> Dude, All listen, right. man. I don't know. I'm just saying, Will Greer sucks. Did not play well. Couldn't beat out. Kyle I don't Allen. care about Will Jimmy Greer, Clark man. Who gives terrible. a fuck about Will Greer, though? We better hope that either Cam Newton comes back or we have the number one pick of the 2021 draft. Because I do not feel confident about his ability to get a quarterback outside of. Cam so you're Newton trying to tell me that the only draft. one is Burrow in this draft? No, not in this one. I like, uh, I mean, uh, I would put Burrow one, uh, two, uh, two because of the injuries and Justin Herbert number three. And so without I, the injuries, would you put two above Burrow? Uh, that's tough, man. Probably maybe a little bit because I've had more than one season of Tua being a really good quarterback and Joe Burrow only has the one season. But, dude, Joe Burrow's going to be fine. Is Herbert the guy that plays for Oregon, or is it the dude that plays for Ohio State? Yeah, Herbert uh, or uh, is the Oregon Duck quarterback? I like that Ohio State cat. Is he? Can he not come out this year? Him and Trevor Lawrence are in the same draft. Oh, that motherfucker is. That dude looks like a fucking NFL player, bro. You know who else does? Trevor fucking Lawrence, bro. Shut up. Man, that shit, he ain't not going to be able I tell you this, is I sent you a message and you were mad about it and I didn't want to argue about it. You're wrong and I'm right. That that running shit ain't going to work for no Trevor Lawrence in the NFL. (laughs) Them motherfuckers are going to fucking 
chase him down They've and crush been saying his ass. that about him for three years, two or three mm. years now. And it's no way, like, that shit is gonna fly. It's different in the co- from college to pros. You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. Numbers two five two 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 eight fifty nine eight. We got a couple more calls, and we got to talk about Mike McCarthyism. So that's <laughs> what I was saying uh, before I was so rudely cut off by your time limit. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I mean, shouldn't we've we, been thinking about shortening it? Big name offensive coordinator, <laughs> something like that. Shouldn't we do something in the aspect of let Cam take the reins more often than he has? Let's see what the guy can do. I mean, he's Hell been playing yeah. football for how many how many years? Oh, he oh, I got to pause it here. I got to pause it here. And this is a thank you, Nick, for bringing this up. Something that Cody has been screaming on, banging the table on this podcast for a year or two since you've come on is speeding up the offense, giving Cam Newton more control of it. Right. And that things get better when that happens. You know what I loved? I was listening to an Eric B. Enemy press conference th- today and it was an older one i think it was from last year did sammy watkins join them last year um 2000 and so it wasn't this year so yeah, this is his 17. second this is his second year with them correct so i was um, thinking i think i was listening to a uh, press conference from last year second or third and one of the things that he said is this, is he said players are going to make mistakes, and we're all right with that. Well, we want to know why they made mistakes. But he said this, we want your asses out there playing fast and confident. Not thinking, playing fast, playing fast. It's like, And if you make a mistake, no. Do we want it to be, he said this, do we want perfection? Sure. But we understand p- people are going to make mistakes. I want my guys playing fast, 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 feeling the game. That shit is what Cam Newton needs. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's got to be some stats out there. But if you look at the uh, the stats or even just film on Cam Newton running that uh, hurry-up offense, I, I don't know if there's many quarterbacks better. I mean, because you almost feel like every time we're in that hurry-up, he is getting the ball out uh, and making the correct reads. He's, he's ba- able to command the huddle. Um, or the not lack of a huddle, I guess you could say, and the hurry up. But I mean, he's just been able to do that. And so, if 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 the enemy is saying that he has the uh, the will to run an offense based on what their uh, their players are capable of doing, well, we know Cam Newton's capable of running that. So that that would be that actually would be exciting. The only thing is, is I'm not sure our defense is capable of holding up uh, under the pressure that's going to be right. a constant. Well, I think there's a def- a difference too between play and like what a Chip Kelly style is is intended to get more plays. But other than what I kind of read from this press conference was Bianami was saying, I want guys reacting, not thinking. Yeah, and I think the, that, that that's here. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, that's, right. that's that's. I mean, they've they've got a, a what a decade of of experience reacting, you know, because it's that's what they've been able to do. That's how they got to this point. They've reacted to uh, the game, uh, and then obviously you get to the college level and you start to actually understand the game a little bit, and then the NFL hits, and now all of that reaction and that natural gift is is culminated into intelligence that you're going to be learning from your head coaches. So. What yeah, a I comment. Agree. Yeah, what a comment there. 
and I, I agree 100% with what you're saying, CK, because you see these guys particularly, we think of the greats, we think of Tom Brady's, we think of the Drew Brees, and we think of the Aaron Rodgers. But one of the things they do a lot of times, uh, and Philip Rivers is probably the worst out of it because he just th- chunks it up whenever the fuck he wants to, but <laughs> they know the situation and they just go with it. You know, it's, it's like, oh, got you. I'm throwing it there, and my guy either makes the catch or he doesn't. You know, and it's and it's not overthinking. It's just playing as fast as they can. And that is what Biennemi emphasized. And having a former player who is a coach can understand. Let's go back to Nick and Mass. Thank you for the call on the Cat Calls line, numbers 252-228-5098. You know, let, maybe we should just let him take the reins and see how we do for a couple of games. You know, who knows? Maybe we could do a, a heck of a lot better than we would have before. Um, on top of that, Dear God, I never want to hear missed opportunities ever freaking again. Yeah, You guys said that. It's like, Jesus, don't just never again. I think Please. I said it in the last podcast by accident. And to finish up my call, I want to ice myself up. I slacked off a lot last year. And Josh, I know you're hearing this and you're probably like, what the hell is he talking about? But I slacked off a lot this, this past year. And I need to stop doing that. So, Tony, I know you're going to love that one. Yeah, Nick, Especially stop slacking off. You over the last year, but fucking love the show, guys. Listen every week. Slacker. Hope you guys all had a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, a great New Year. Hope you guys all stayed safe and everybody had a good time. But keep pounding, guys. Yeah, I hope it, I hope it snows like twenty seven hundred inches for you. Jo- no, I'm just kidding, Nick. You're my man. You're my boy, <laughs> Nick. Um, guys, he has uh, brought up a lot of good points. We are shortly going to be joined by Titletown Brawl, a.k.a. J and Dave, maybe just one or two, who also got beef, you know, who Greg, Greg made them mad because he kept... So, okay, so listen, man. I, I watch it right you, now. Stop. We can't. We can't. I kind of sold you on Eric Bianami a little more than you previously uh, were sold. So listen, man, me and Cody squared over here. Me and my man CK, we're not we're not big fans of of this McCarthy pick. Oh, You're over here I'm all in. It. I'm so, all, all in. Right. Hey man, I'm all ears, bro. Start sell us on why you're now all of a sudden so infatuated with the big guy from Pittsburgh. All right, and that's Pittsburgh, Green Bay. It's from Green but Bay. But he is born in Pittsburgh. That oh, is- really? <laughs> so, you're like he's that's like being live from like yeah that's that's funny you would drop like that's like where ron rivera was truly born <laughs> well a lot of people are saying hey david tepper's from uh all right, uh, all right. All right. so here's here's what here's my number one thing is this is yeah. that today i watched before in, in preparation for the show i was trying to look at some stuff for mike mccarthy Look at some stuff from Bienname. And I was trying to get some real, like, just to them, some FaceTime of these cats actually speaking. See how I can feel about them. Now, Mike McCarthy did a 45-minute interview with Peter King on NBC Sports. I thought it was really good. 
And I'm going to tell you this, as I've been saying over and over and over and over again, is that I think getting a guy in here who has had some head coaching experience is beneficial. It's valuable. And I understand the want for the next new thing, the next beauty. But, you know, there's something to be said about Madonna. And Madonna, you know, she's been a superstar multiple times throughout her life. She's got her finger on the pole. She's reborn her image in some ways. And this is what I sort of thought with Mike McCarthy was a potential. Is a guy who had some very good success in the NFL. He won a Super Bowl. And then is fired and had a year off to reflect and that's where I continue to come back is uh, I heard this interview, guys, and I heard Mike McCarthy talking about being, a, a, you know, growing. And for someone who has a career, I just actually entered my, and not, not that you guys don't. I didn't mean it that way. What I mean is this, is I just hit my 10th year in my career. Right, is that my job, I've been there for 10 years, and I do see it more than a job. It's been a career. It's been a very important thing in my life. And while I was very talented in my early years, I did lack a perspective. And I wonder if this is that the humility of being fired and the experience that Mike McCarthy brings if that equates to a new birth and like a reinvigoration with experience, that's what I like about the Mike McCarthy thing. I have two points. All right. (laughs) So I have two metaphors, I guess. So first metaphor being there's let's deem the Panthers of being uh, a female in an abusive relationship. Okay, she finally comes up with the actual courage to leave that relationship. (laughs) Then, then this is the best metaphor ever, by the way. Then, what she does is she finds somebody who says, "Man, I used to be the same guy, but I've learned from my mistakes." And all of a sudden, she is now dating the new guy who says he has learned. (laughs) Like he's different. He's a different guy. But he's done the exact same things. And then literally six months later, when they're actually not you're not sitting there and having hours to sit there and contemplate your your moves, you're just realizing you're back in that abusive relationship. Second metaphor is Mike McCarthy saying that he has learned and changed is like lying on your resume to get a job. You know, I you know, it what I so let's take talk about the office, Daryl. He puts on his resume. He helped package billions of uh, of pieces of equipment, or, or what is it, of of one billion uh, units. Uh, helped ship and package one billion units. And they ask one billion what? He said pieces of paper. <laughs> so 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 saying like I've learned is like fudging the resume to make it look like you're that much better. But he right now, he can sit there and say all of these things. But what we have is a long history of him saying almost identical things, 
while he was in the package. Why uniform. do you bo- All right, all right, all right. So first of all, it's super funny. And that was amazing metaphoric relationships. Except for I just wanted to punch you in your face and say, get back in the kitchen. I'm just kidding. Normally it does. My question <laughs> is to you is this is why do you feel that Mike McCarthy is that? Why do you feel that he is the abuser who has learned from his lessons? What I see him as is this as a Super Bowl coach who won a Super Bowl and who had a lot of success, but also maybe could have found himself in a rut. And if people, you know, if you are in a job and your career and you get in the grind and the grind and the grind, look, today was my first back, my first day back at work. Had an extended break. The Christmas break is generally the longest break for me in my career. I don't get vacations. I get these built-in vacations built on the semester right so Mm -hmm. the you know is i don't get to take time off it's like i get spring break off i get this and i get a lot of time off though so it's not like i'm just as crazy but christmas break is the longest of all my breaks and but it's always busy with christmas and shit like that today we went back to work it was the earliest we've ever gone back to work ever like, you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever, the second. We never go back this early. So, you know what I mean? We're dragging ass. Everybody doesn't want to be there. We're all bitching. But we all love our fucking careers. We all love our jobs. But sometimes you get in that little bit of rut. You get complacent. Don't you think there's a potential that a guy who had a lot of success, who kind of was humbled, kind of felt, kind of, kind of felt that bottom for a moment, that they can be re- rejuvenated and uh, maybe be put in a new a situation? Maybe uh, for a year. I mean, well, and, and Cody, you go ahead, because I've, I've hogged this out of the mic. Well, no, I mean, what, what I would say is, okay, other than the fact that he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, other than that. I mean, uh, well, oh, God. Hey, we were, so you, we I, were two I plays away from winning ourselves. I, I demonstrated to you why I think Eric Bieniemy would actually elevate our offense. Because him being a running back guy, he's going to continue to use Christian in incredible ways. And all the running backs under him previously have been successful. And that offense that they have in Kansas City is made to move the football. They're going to throw on the football. And it comes very highly touted. My, my question to you is, like, what is it specifically about Mike McCarthy that you think he would be able to bring to this Carolina Panthers team as the head coach that we either didn't have under Ron Rivera or that, you know, we're just missing as a football team as a whole. What does he do for us? All right. Number one, when it comes to the Ron Rivera aspect, I think that we were Ron Rivera's first stop. And one of the things I've continued to say about Ron Rivera is that I felt like he did become complacent after the Super Bowl loss. I think he continued to point how other people weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And I think that Mike McCarthy has learned. Here's Mike McCarthy a little bit. I got a couple of clips. Let's listen to what Mike McCarthy said. I listened to, I watched this whole 
45 inter- minute interview today. And by the way, I'm in, I'm in starstruck at this point because it was just today. You give me 45 minutes with Eric Bieniemy, and I'm sure I'm the same way. But here, this is Mike McCarthy and what he's learned. Give me an example of how you feel that you're going to take something you've learned this year into your new world. Well, I think it's like anything. You, 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 when you have time to reflect, uh, the brutal honest with yourself is, is where you, you're going to get the most value. And, and I've looked at every coaching staff, every decision, um, you know, installation of offense, you know, scheduling. You know, we practiced on Fridays. You know, then we didn't practice on Fridays. So when you have a chance to look at all those things, um, it, it gives you, you know, a more distinct, you know, focus on exactly how you'll approach that next one. So, I mean, one thing, just to give you a, a, a direct answer to your question, I, if you're going to call the offense, if you're going to be the play caller on Sunday, you need to be the, the major installer, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So that's, that's something that I got away from. Um, in the second half of my career there in Green Bay, and so that, that how did you do it in the second? Well, half we spread it out, and, and, and you know the, the the why we did things. They're all sound judgments and good decisions, and you're trying to evolve your staff. You're trying to, you know, you're, you're trying to let coaches grow. You're, you know, this coach was charged a third down, and then you wanted to grow his experience, and he got switched to red zone. So you, you know, you're you're trying to do different things with with staff development. That frankly, the priority of staff development probably took a little bit away from, you know, the game planning process of how we did it in the early years. So, you know, it's not a really right and wrong. It's more of a preference. Yeah. Why do you think it's important for the guy who is installing to be the guy who's calling the plays? Because, and I think it's the same thing on defense too. Because every player in that room needs to know why you're calling that play, and he needs to hear it from you why he's calling the play. You know, you you rely on a a long-term relationship with your quarterback or your offensive coordinator or your offensive line coach, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's not as good as if you're in there installing it and, you know, doing it each and every day. This is why the, the first point of why I like, uh, well, at least, and look, I understand I might be just a little starstruck at this moment. But what I like about what McCarthy has done in this interview is been he's been reflective, self-reflective. And what I think about when I watch this interview, 45 minutes, he's become more interested in the processes. The processes of being a head coach rather than being bogged down in play call minutia. And I think that's what a head coach really needs to be understanding of is how to become a teacher. I mean, a coach is a teacher first and foremost. I mean, you have to be able he has to, to teach his staff too. Yeah. And he has to be able to do all those things. And I mean, listen, I don't want to take anything away from him. He clearly has done it before. Um, he's been around Aaron Rodgers and Brett Farr. Um, I, I think even Steve Young, I believe, he's he's been around some some damn good quarterbacks. I'm not trying to take that away from him, but I look at it as we're trying to get a Mike McCarthy who is now learning how to do brand new things, whereas Eric Bieniemy is a guy known for what he's doing right now. 
But, uh, man, listen, you can't pick a better time for our guest to show up right as we're talking about Mike McCarthy. We have a brand new guest, Tony, who we have joined. Is this Jay, Dave or Jay? It's Dave. This is Jay. This is Jay. What's up? Oh, man? Jay. What's up, Jay? How are you doing, Jay? Good, good, good. All right. Yeah, How Dave, 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 Dave is dealing with bronchitis issues, and he barely made it through our show. So. Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks so much for being here, man. Well, yeah, we've... We kind of to to jump in on this conversation that that we're having, uh, the Panthers is looking for a brand new head coach. Um, I'm not that big of a fan of the idea of the Panthers hiring Mike McCarthy, and my man Tony here is he's um yeah I'm on the Mike McCarthy bandwagon right now. We've got Jay here from Titletown Brawl. You've formerly known as the First and Ten podcast, but Titletown Brawl, thank you, Jay, for joining us. Thoughts on Mike McCarthy? Well, I will say this. Uh, Mike McCarthy's first, let's say, nine years were really good in Green Bay, right? Prolific offense, Super Bowl, multiple NFC championships, quarterback wins a couple MVPs. Uh, Great player development. I mean, you can go through the list of receivers, all late-round picks. You know, none of them first-round picks. Multiple offensive linemen. You know, I mean, great, great young player development. You're in, you're out, one of the youngest teams in the league and made seven straight, you know, seven straight playoff appearances and runs. The back end last four or five years, not so great, right? And on his way out the door, guys – and, and going into this coaching search last year, even on our shows, previously first and goal. And now, of course, yes, we did get hired by uh, the Brawl Network. So we're now title town brawl. We just cover the Packers now. But now looking back on it, and particularly after seeing the NFL Network piece, I don't know if you guys saw it, but that they, they did the, the piece on Mike McCarthy about, I don't know, four or five weeks ago that had it on their morning show before the football games. And look, he still lives in Green Bay. His wife and kids are were born, they're raised, they're from there, and he's still been there, okay? He's still there after all this time. So, you know, that shows a little bit of testicle fortitude that the dude that got fired is still living in the town. You know what I mean? Like, so he's not... Yeah, and he calls it home. He calls it home. So, I mean, there's loyalty there. That means a lot to me. Like, he's not soft-skinned. He didn't try to run away and hide. Like, he stayed right in the town where people formerly really... Packer fans kind of started to hate him when he got fired. And he saw, he's still out there. So I got to give him credit for that. Like, that's some leadership there, right? Like, that shows me some real deep down, like, resiliency there, right? That's a positive. Two, he's not a stupid man, guys. Like, I, I was saying before that piece and before I started looking into it and thinking about it a little bit, I thought I, I would say he's a guy you definitely want to hire to have a young team to develop, but after about the fourth or fifth year, you want to start looking for that guy that can that can sustain that, right? Like he's the team builder, but not the guy that can sustain sustain the success. I think he's learned his lesson, and I think he's already worked with some other former coaches that have learned some lessons the hard way too, and they've all kind of collaborated, if you watch that piece, to get ready for their next team. I believe – this next version of Mike McCarthy, although he was very successful, he has almost a 700 win percentage in this league, okay, as a head coach. That's not easy to do. I think what I'm saying here is 
like some coaches that get run out of the league and aren't successful, their second run, like the Bill Belichicks and, and the Carrolls, are better. I'm thinking, guys, this guy, I think he's going to be better the second time around. I told you, fuckers. I told you, assholes. That's what it was. Guys, thank you. Cody, Cody, here's the thing. The one knock on him was was not player development, not his ability to relate, not that his team, his, his players didn't like him, didn't play hard for him. His, his thing became, and even his the players that were on his side and, and wanted him out, their number one thing was his stubbornness and his inability and unwillingness to change his offense to the point where people knew, even, even guys that run it, they run 53 plays and they have for the last 10 years and everybody knows it and he won't change. And his thing was, well, you got to execute. If the players would execute better, everything right but right. Aaron Rodgers Aaron now if you listen to him now he knows that's not going to work he can't walk in it, like he's not do you there. think he's he just talking the smooth that no. Cody thinks that he's just talking interview talk but no this is this is my my question like okay so I know a, a lot of Packers fans weren't very happy with Dom Capers and it took Mike McCarthy forever to fire Don Capers to try and make that defense better. My question for you is this. At what, why are you so confident? I mean, is it just an interview? What is it about uh, about Mike McCarthy now that makes you think that he isn't the man that got fired from the Green Bay Packers? Why are you so sure that he is no longer that stubborn old mule set in his ways, only running the same 53 plays all the time? Because he had some of his closest players turn on him and tell him straight out that he wasn't no good no more. When you have people that you trust and are close in relationships, when you saw him in that interview talk about the relationship that him and Aaron Rodgers had and the meetings they had, there was a close personal relationship. Aaron was the biggest name and one of the biggest guys that wanted him out of town because that relationship was frayed based off of his stubbornness. When you go through things like that, Cody, let's take the professional football out of it. As a okay. human being, when you have things like that happen, when you when the people around you basically come down on you so hard that you can't make excuses anymore, you have no choice but to self-reflect, and then you are given the requisite time to do so, only stupid people come back and try to do the same thing <laughs> over. And I do not believe with any – I and never in my mind have I ever believed Mike McCarthy was stupid. Complacency is not stupidity. Complacency is just kind of laziness. It's, you know, people that are lazy aren't stupid. Usually people that are lazy are highly intelligent. That's how they can get away with being lazy and still have a job for so many years. That's why I think he's going to be better this second time around. He learned his lesson. How do I know? How do I know that we're, that that you're not trying to send McCarthy over here? <laughs> Another <laughs> NFC. Yeah, because because he built he built Aaron Rodgers and he built he built a lot of those players that if he gets this job and he get and makes the success, they're going to play them in the playoffs. Why the hell would I want the guy that knows every he know? They spent he spent it, he raised Aaron Rodgers as a football player. That, okay. He knows his footwork. He knows his arm angles. He knows his 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 check with me. He knows his favorite plays and routes to Devontae Adams. 
there is no reason why a Packer fan, from a strategic standpoint, wants Mike McCarthy in the NFC coaching. Period. Like seriously. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, 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 I love do it. like the energy. Look at this energy. Like the, energy the the issue I have is when you say stubborn. You know, there is a lot of positive, right? There's a lot of upside, um, but stubborn isn't isn't a temporary thing. Stubborn is a character piece, right? It, you know, and I was I was providing metaphors as to what I thought McCarthy was, and what I feel like, and I, you know, once again, this is uh, coming from somebody who's really paid attention to the last five years of his time in in Green Bay, rather than. So much effort into knowing him for the first time. Yeah, back to '06. That, oh, six. that yeah. deep? So, but is here's, it that long? Yeah. <laughs> but here's my here's my my metaphor, and I'll even switch it up. I'll, I'll put it in my life. Him talking and doing the things that he is, and doing the interviews and everything is like. There's a girl that I work with who is a supervisor, um, who was recently promoted in that last year or so. Well, the moment she was promoted, she put on her status and LinkedIn and Facebook and everything saying that she was the training supervisor. Well, the funny thing is she was just a supervisor who is new and the only people they trusted her with were trainees. So what it looked like is she was trying to say they trust me so much to train these trainees rather than the reality of it is that she she was really just not good enough to train or to deal with anybody other than trainees. So what I mean by that is we can make it look like we've changed. We can make it look like it's, uh, you know, a diamond when in all reality, it's a shiny turd, right? We don't know for a fact yet that McCarthy has made that, that, that change because yes, one year in Carolina may be a great, you know, change for him might be something that he actually, adjust his character and his coaching style and everything. But what happens when we start getting back into that complacency? Now, if it happened after nine years, I imagine it's going to be a lot quicker than it happens the next go round because this is just, you know, rinse and repeat in my opinion. Uh, and that's what I worry about is that if we get him, it might be good. It might be an exact replica of what happened with Ron Rivera where it was a great five years, but the last four have been less than extraordinary. Well, and I will say this. I, you're absolutely right. Stubbornness? Mike McCarthy's never not going to be stubborn. Yeah. But every – it's kind of like uh, telling me that, <clears throat> well, I don't like Aaron Rodgers because he's so arrogant. Yeah. Okay, well, every Hall of Fame quarterback has been <laughs> absolutely over-the-top arrogant. That's what makes them better than the rest. Yeah. Is that Aaron Rodgers is not a Hall of Famer. Oh God! So, no, nah, I just wanted to fuck with him. Yeah. I just wanted to fuck with him. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was just fucking with him. you. You should have hung up and just left right then and there. I love Aaron Rodgers more than uh, not more than anybody. I love Cam more than anybody. But sorry, I was just teasing. To shut up on that one for you. I was just teasing. I, I was one, just teasing. One, to me, there are certain responses that are stu- so stupid, so stupefied that I don't even respond to them. <laughs> yeah. 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 For a while, yeah. Uh, if, if uh, y'all fell hook, line, and sinker, every one of y'all bitches. If, if I was gonna, if I was gonna use one one movie reference, it would be the the uh, the couples couples retreat and Vince Vaughn. 
That yep. statement was just astastic. That's all it was. <laughs> so okay, right. this is this is my my question to you. Let's talk about uh, that piece that came out. Uh, I mean, basically, I mean, it, it was it was such a big deal at the time that uh, I mean, essentially, the you know people with the organization had to answer for it. Uh, this piece came out about the friction, but I, I believe it was in Sports Illustrated. I think. Uh, it was about the friction between McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and how they just absolutely loathed each other. And then there were times when you would see Aaron Rodgers being like, stupid fucking play call. And he was just so pissed off. And I get that you're already saying, you know, he's trying to change and, and do new things because he had a real look in the mirror moment. But I also remember stuff in that story about him uh, missing out on meetings for personal massages and, and and stuff like that. Is there any truth to any of those claims that were laid out about McCarthy or no, that fabricated no for a story? Beat, no beat reporter that I highly respect and that I know can actually walk into a locker room and actually talk to a player that none of actual reporting has that ever I have not gotten one solid, actual, legitimate source that is, can be credited that says, I heard this from this player. It, I can't give him your name. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because if you look at those reports that were these, these, and I don't like, I don't want to disparage anybody, but they're just kind of some like bar stool sports and other things that, yes, they put out pieces and they do research, but they're not directly. Yeah, it's like fan sided or something. Right. They can't, they can't directly get into the building to get an actual quote. So, like, there was no actual Green Bay report. And people tried. Like, that, that story came about, and people do their due diligence. I have a lot of respect, a lot of connections with people that work for SPN 540 Milwaukee and, and 94.5 Milwaukee down there. I'm friends with a lot of those guys that run the radio down there and produce. And I, I check, and none of those guys, they can't. So, could it be true? Yeah, but at the same time, it feels like to me like that was somebody trying to take something. Now, what I can tell you is that... It's not like he's Robert Kraft or something. Right. Well, I can tell you that like guys like David Bakhtiari and Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers and Brian Balaga and uh, you know several other defensive and other players that were cornerstones did meet with Mark Murphy and did did say that he was complacent and that uh, I know that Davey Bakhtiari, I can tell you directly when listening to a show he was on, a radio show was on, his direct quote was he was the last draw for him was sitting on a plane 20 minutes late leaving, you know, to get to where they had to go, and here comes a newly signed practice squad player McCarthy's holding the plane up for. Any other team shuts the door and leaves that jackass there because he just got signed from the practice squad. Right. So like that. So I can't confirm things like that, but on the same note, that's him being that, a player's um, coach, right? So that's a player's coach, not even letting the little guy not try, you know, because that would basically end that kid's opportunity. So there's negatives and positives to each side of the story, and really, I think what it came down to is Dave and I have discussed this a lot. I think a lot of this was how who he always was. But it became more negative after the NFC Championship game meltdown in 2014. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and and that's when it started to fall apart because. Tell us a little really, bit about that game. Tell us well, a little really, bit about that game to bring us back where we're at. 
if you if you remember, Aaron Rodgers had strained his calf. I think it was like week ten or eleven. It was late in the season down in New Orleans on a scramble, and he can he never missed a game. But that right calf of his was was just terrible. I can't remember. Maybe it was the left calf. It was one probably of those, Byron was, Bell. He was very he was very immobile, and you know <laughs> they made it to the NFC Championship game. Sounds like Eddie Byron Lacey. Bell. Had Eddie Lacy, okay, and he was uh. Going on, coming off his NFC or his rookie of the year, he had a really good year. I think he had over 1,100 yards that year. And they just refused to run the ball down the stretch. It became, you know, trying to throw the ball and force it to guys that couldn't get off of jams from one-armed guys. Like, Jordy Nelson couldn't get off a press off of Richard Sherman. He was playing with one arm. He had that torn bicep or tricep. He couldn't use his left arm. And he was pressing up Jordy Nelson the entire game <laughs> with one arm. And Jordy Nelson, 6'3", 230. I mean, he's not a little dude. Like, they just felt like that whole thing. The guy doing the wrong thing. Uh, you know, uh, Bostic at the end, the, the final nail in the coffin when he botches the onside kick. That's coaching. You know, like how you don't get your players together, you know, in that kind of moment and kind of get keep them calm so they know exactly. So that's really where the team lost. They felt like there was, there was just it, between play calling adjustments and just kind of keeping the team in calm and under control during the, the critical moments that they failed in the team just kind of felt like he didn't, he failed them in that point. And I think just everything just kind of, they, they started nitpicking at each other and it just slowly, you know, that was the crack in the foundation. We all know if you crack the foundation, it's only a matter of time before it starts to crumble. It, all know, right. I mean, Let's check here. I got another clip from Mike McCarthy, and we'll hear what you guys got to say about it. Is there something that you feel like you have sort of attacked in this year off and this rejuvenation year? Is there part of being a football coach that you feel you're going to be better at in 2020? Definitely, because I mean, the, you've had a chance to step back. Make sure you know your, your your versatility and the multiplicity. You know those tanks are full, and you know I, I think like anything with success, you can get you can you know go down a certain path and, and you can stay down there a little too long. And, and that, that goes back to what I said earlier: you have to evolve. And it's just not on just on not on offense or defense or special team schemes. You, you know you, how you train a team is is probably more important um you know the health of your football team you know the wellness of your football team you know the, the, the continuing education of your of your coaching staff uh how do you move you know the education and and the experience that everybody in that football operations how do you move that forward that that's to me this is that's what, what i like here creates winning so I, th I think when when you don't have success there there has to be something you pin it on get it that that's our industry but there's so much more that goes in. There's so many more variables that go into winning than uh, you know what plays you run on offense. Jay, what I like about this is I'm a teacher by trade. I'm a teacher at the collegiate level. But at the same time, what you're trying to do is you're trying to continue to... What I felt like this is my first couple of years as being a teacher, I was very interested in what I needed to teach. But since then, I've become interested in how to teach it. And you've changed. You've evolved. Yeah, it, and it's about the process of 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 education. 
And I wonder, and this is why I've been interested in Mike McCarthy. I'm interested in him, and I know the other guys on the show aren't, but similar to a Bill Belichick, a guy who has seen some bad, has had some failures, hasn't been a story of all success, but at the same time has, evolved, like you said, evolved. I like the word grow in many ways is because you grow into a position if you've worked at multiple jobs you've changed careers a couple of times you do get a certain reinvigoration too there's a youthfulness of coming to another job a new position and this is the thing that i am interested about mike mccarthy is there is a certain self-reflection there that i see and that i like that and that experience and he is not shy to say, "I hey, I built a championship. I've been around a championship program." Well, and here's the other thing too is, um, if you're gonna, every year we get all the we get at least one or two rear treads. Like, let's be real here. <clears throat> I, I know I know people are gonna say blasphemy, but why did what did, what what did Bruce Arians ever win as a head coach, or where was his ultimate success that he's such a great and and why is he? Why is everybody singing his praises? I mean, what the hell did he do? He was supposed to come in and fix Jameis Winston and be the save all. Uh, they didn't have a great season. Like their season won any better last year. But everybody's so great on Bruce Arians. Doug Marone is one of the dumbest head coaches I've ever seen, and he still got a job down in Jacksonville and and can't. He can't, <laughs> he can't even. He can't even coach the last fifty seconds of a lead in an AFC Championship game correctly so that his team has an actual chance of winning and he still got a job and he was already fired after two failures terrible failures in other franchises before that and he still got a job and, and you know and i can go on and on and on with this uh bill Bryan had multiple years all kinds of talent and and yet his best feat, his his biggest accomplishment is beating the all-time worst franchise in the Cincinnati Bengals at, at three times in a row and then turn around and getting his face smashed in in the divisional round. But everybody thinks he's a great head coach for some reason because he has Deshaun Watson. Mike McCarthy, for all of the negatives that people can sit there and point the fingers at, of all the people that you could retread, is the most dynamic, successful person out there he's won more he has had more success for longer periods of time than any of these other retread coaches that you you might go look and see what i'm saying cody would i rather take a chance and and then secondly for everybody that wants some young lincoln riley would i rather do like him too of a guy of, oh, hey, I love him too. But again, here we're talking about realism and what, what's best right now and winning right now. And do I think I have a better chance of taking the most successful retreaded head coach that we've probably seen in our lifetime since Bill Parcells and hope that yeah, that stubbornness didn't go away, but that stubbornness has grown and evolved into something that, like I think, can be better than the the tenure he had his first nine years and winning a championship or hope and pray that a guy like Lincoln Riley that's never sniffed any position on an NFL field before doesn't come in and get over his skis and is one and done and run out of the league like many young college head coaches that we all thought were going to be the next big thing. It's risk versus reward. I think I'll put my 
I'll put my bets on Mike McCarthy because at least I think there's less there's less risk there. Because even if he comes in and he's stubborn, like I said, you're going to get at least five years. He He's proven he can. Do we know that Lincoln Riley can develop NFL roster? I know Mike McCarthy can. Do we know that Lincoln Riley can come in and develop an NFL quarterback to be successful, win championships and MVPs? I know Mike McCarthy can. All right, so, well, Jay, that, that, that actually kind of brings me into my next question for you. And I actually have two questions for you. One, it requires just a, a short a short answer. Were you in favor of the Packers firing Mark or Mike when they did? Were you a fan of, of, the, of that move? I thought he needed to go two years prior because I could see the the I could see the, okay. the time it was it was to me I related to it as Andy Reid very good head coach but his time had come up the message was stale the locker room was no longer paying attention to him it did not mean that he was not a good head coach okay but All I right. thought he was there two years too long now let me ask you this and do not feel obligated to say the Carolina Panthers is because you're talking to us out of all the jobs that are available right now. You mentioned Mike McCarthy being able to take a roster and build it up and make it better and develop talent. Is Carolina the best place for Mike McCarthy right now, or is it possible that the Cleveland Browns are a better situation for him? Cody? With a Baker Mayfield, with a talented roster. I, I could kiss you right now, Cody, because we had this exact discussion on our show last week. Uh, I, I, I made this argument. There's two sides to this argument, and if I'm Mike McCarthy, I'm going to go with one over the other. When I look at rosters the way they're set right now, it's no doubt the Cleveland Browns. If I'm a head coach that ultimately I know winning, winning and having talent makes it easier to win, and ultimately winning is the the, the most surefire way to make sure that I keep a job for as long as I can, I'm going to the Cleveland Browns. Problem is, is you can't trust Jimmy Haslam to w- that whether he's going to wake up on the left side of the bed every day and decide that he wants to keep going the way you're going, whether you're winning or not. Because yeah. guess what? Our defensive coordinator, thank God, our defensive coordinator is only defensive coordinator and is never going to leave. You don't fire him because he doesn't want to be a head coach again because he was the most successful head coach the Cleveland Browns have had the 2010s. He was 9-7. and seven. They gave him freaking – they forced – a stupid, undersized, dumb QB that everybody knew was going to be a bust in Manziel on him and fired him five games into the season the next year, and they haven't won nine games since. Right. So I don't trust the Cleveland Browns. Are they really, are they really as talented as you give them credit for? Yes, they are. Paper-wise, yeah. it takes a coach to take – if the right – I'm telling you right now, if Mike McCarthy walks into that, they are in the probably in the divisional round, if not the AFC Championship game next wow. year with their roster – that's how good their roster is. Their so, coaching it, it, was absolutely asinine. How the hell you don't score 40 points a game with the offensive talent they had? I mean, come on. That's, yeah, and that's, that's what I've coaching. Was. Yeah, that's what I've said the entire time. So, all right, but what about when it but relates to – Here's the second part of this. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mike McCarthy has kids. Like I said earlier, he got fired over a year ago and still lives in Green Bay while he searches for a new job where he will then move his family. Okay, right. so he's a family man, right? So he doesn't want to move somewhere. He, he's even said himself, his next job with what he has changed, he plans on being there a long-ass time. I, I now, think he I'm, also said that he was going to 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.